Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report, powered by Caliber Mind. I'm thrilled today to introduce Justin Oying. Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks again for having me on. Where do I start? I grew up in Southern California. I've always been kind of uh, addicted to learning from a young age. And in high school, I fell in love with the sport of rock climbing, which kind of has a mix of mental and, and physical challenges and problem solving. Found my way out east at a liberal arts college and eventually made my way into SF uh, and working in tech. The first tech company I worked at was Zenefits. I was leading a small team focused on post sales. And we just raised a big round. We brought in a bunch of Salesforce alums to partner with our head of sales uh, across strategy, operations, and enablement. And uh, I was lucky enough that one of them, Bill Schwitter, approached me and asked me to join his team. And, and that was kind of my first exposure into sales ops. But um, yeah, that's a little bit about me and the kind of origin story and then the beginning of my career. Love it. So I actually started in sales ops myself and then meandered all over the place. Revenue operations was a really natural fit for me because I'd been in all of the different siloed functional operation groups. What have you seen in the market? And then we'll talk about what you've seen work well versus not quite as well in terms of revenue operation structure. Yeah, it's a good question. I think maybe stepping back a little bit, I think RevOps is this really interesting natural evolution of like strategy and operations. And it's kind of used interchangeably with sales ops, but I think of RevOps as like a mixture of sales, customer success, and marketing all combined and working together. And the origins are just interesting. Like sales ops has been around for decades and it's kind of natural to pull away all those non-selling activities from the sellers. Like it's the planning, the forecasting, territory management, process and tools, a variety of other functions, everything you kind of need to do to run and scale an organization. And I think RevOps is a natural evolution of this. As each of those teams maybe form sales ops, you also see marketing ops, I've seen product design and engineering ops, I've seen recruiting ops. People are developing these functions to help them drive the actual team of, of doers. And I think forcing those teams to kind of align a little bit better is going to be a lot more effective for different organizations. I've seen at Slack, we had a team of teams. So Matt Heiss built a really strong org where we had sales biz ops, marketing biz ops, product design and engineering biz ops all together in a team of teams. So within Slack, all the planning, strategy, operations, tech stack, processes were aligned in one team doing all of that. And I felt like that was really powerful because you really align the whole company around your specific goals, but even more importantly, probably setting cadence to revisit that. And I think that helps remove a lot of the healthy conflict that you naturally see between those different teams. There's three things I'd like to just echo that I'm hearing you say is one, RevOps was really created with the intent of unifying the different business units. Two, it's not sales operations 2.0. Thank you for saying that. I love that. It's great. And then I'm also hearing this team of teams, you're still talking about specialization. And that's one thing I really wanted to cover because I see some com smaller companies in particular using the revenue operations label to put everything in one job description. So CRM and marketing automation management under one bundle, that is a huge job for one individual to undertake. I like that you're calling out that there's still specialization do you also see dotted lines going to those departments as well to kind of pair, pair in with that specialization? For sure. I think you're spot on. I think uh, 
I'm also fearful of the organizations that maybe put up a job description that says RevOps and you literally lump in everything that you need to get fixed. Yeah. I like the team of yeah. teams because it's better to be really spiky and good at one thing than it is to be okay at a variety of things. It obviously changes depending on the stage of your company and what you need to solve for. Like if you hire a generalist sure. sales ops person, they could definitely help out with some of the marketing ops that you need to do. But I think alignment with the other uh, functional leaders is really important. And I, I've seen it both ways. I've seen sales ops and rev ops and marketing ops report directly to those specific leaders. But I've also seen it where you're reporting to maybe a centralized biz ops function and you just make sure you have a really good relationship with that functional leader. At the end of the day, I think like who you actually report to, as long as you have the right people, matters less than just having the right people in place who can kind of build relationships, create alignment, and drive the company strategy. Now, I have seen people reporting into a CRO on the revenue operations team. And what I've noticed, I want to know if you've seen this too, is that in B2B in particular, CROs, the split seems to be either 70, 80 sales background to marketing background. There isn't really that blended focus so much. Have you seen that too, or are you seeing different things? I'd agree. I think most of that is like from a sales background. I think a lot of the B2B organizations that we've seen are like built on sales organizations. The sales organizations have typically uh, maybe a little bit more weight when it comes to like planning and budgeting. I think it's important for those leaders to bring in marketing in those scenarios. Like as a sales leader, I know if I want to launch in France, I'm not going to be successful unless I bring marketing into the phone and, and I align on that. But I do like it when you're not reporting directly to the CRO because there's a little bit more an effective like line to stand on from a governance perspective. Like when you're actually going through the budgeting and the planning of the overall company, it, you might have some natural conflict with your sales leader in terms of what they want to execute yes. versus what you feel like is best for the business and having a little bit of distance can make that really effective. I totally agree with you. And I think the ideal state that I've seen and it worked really well was that you have either C-suite or VP level, you've got your sales, customer success, and marketing leadership, and then uh, VP of operations that was on fairly even footing. And that makes it much easier for them to weigh in and be more influential. Like I think so many times operations functions, the people within the functions are expected to rule without authority. <laughs> and that's really hard to do. So having some equal footing always, I think is a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think one thing you just made me think of is like a lot of times maybe the, the overall revenue leader might not even have the bandwidth to kind of think through how should this team grow and scale? What are the internal operations, the internal processes and the focus areas and the skill sets we want to hire for? So having someone dedicated on equal footing of like both focus on supporting each function, but also lurk, looking in internally and see like, how do I build a really strong team of teams that can help drive this business and have an outsized impact. And it's it's hard to do that when you're also focused on the function itself. Yep, totally agree. So I have seen the team of teams function in a couple different ways. One is by functional expertise. So you have your systems team, your analytics team, and then you have specialties within those teams. 
enablement sometimes rolls in there, project management. So you have a nice suite. You still have the specializations. And then I've seen the like mini MOPS team, sales ops team, like structured like they normally would be, but reporting up into one operations person. What flavor have you seen more often? Yeah, at Slack, we we had separate teams for each function. And within those, you had your own mm -hmm. specialty because obviously the skill set for building out processes, tools, your sales tech stack is different than your skill set for like enablement for an extreme. So each each function obviously had different pieces. I think sales biz ops is our largest team naturally with a large selling org. For marketing, you might have more of a blend, but I think there are specific skill sets. One of them might be more like analytical and the other might be more like process driven and technology driven. And, and those are difficult. Like mm -hmm. e, those are two hard ones to combine because like managing the tech stack and like thinking through your processes is a job in itself, no matter what scale of the company, just with exploding SaaS tech yeah. stacks, like every startup has like, you know, 20 applications you're using already within your go-to-market org. Oh, minimum. Yeah. Minimum. <laughs> when I hire for a systems person, I always look for somebody with a background in analytics because they understand how the, it's basically they're managing a database with a UI on top of it. And they need to understand how the data can translate into what the business needs to pull, or you end up with a bunch of multi-select pick lists. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I Would think you, is that what you mean by the blend? Yeah, I also think from a, a blend out, what I was saying was that's probably the one function that you might be able to blend a little bit between sales, marketing, and customer success, like somebody that owns mm. the tech stack. That's probably a, a perfect area to, you know, drive a little bit more alignment. Like each function is going to want their specific tech stack, but if those aren't aligned, it makes the business really hard. You're going to have a lot of kind of just like what I call supply chain issues. Like you don't know if a change in this system is going to drive another change in this system and so on and so forth from top of funnel to like post sales. And it's really helpful if you can kind of align on what your needs and goals are as a overall go-to-market organization and think about that tech stack together. And that governance is important too. Like sometimes sales, we want to make a specific change on the opportunity object or the lead object based on a new process that we're rolling out. We haven't really thought about the ramifications of what happens to marketing, what happens to customer success when we make that change. So having an org that kind of sits yeah. across all three of those for like systems and the tech stack, I think is, is really beneficial. Yeah, and I totally agree, and that's why I bought into the whole revenue operations vision really early is because I'd been on the teams where we had three different administrative teams in Salesforce, one for each of the functional groups, and best of intent, we tried to meet regularly and talk to each other, but inevitably somebody was stepping on each other's toes and changing things that impacted other things. It's just so hard to force that alignment without people being on the same team and having regular stand-ups and talking through things. I think all of us, you know, all it takes is one bad field mapping. I, I'm just thinking my husband ran into a situation where they were implementing Marketo, didn't map the state field, and everybody got opted out because it looked like they were possibly in the EU. And then it, it just caused all this chaos. And none of it is ever intentional. I just feel like there's more opportunity to talk through what you're doing and have somebody say, hang on, <laughs> that could impact these eight processes down this 
Yeah, and I think at a smaller level, it's really easy to do that. So you could start to build that rhythm and muscle. When you're in a bigger org, it's hard. You might have a marketing stakeholder, you might have a sales stakeholder, you have a customer success who all deeply understand that business. And do they all need to sit in that conversation every time a change is being made? That, that slows down mm -hmm. the business and figuring out the right kind of friction, but the right governance is always a balance as you scale an org. But in the early innings, when you're a young startup, like it's the perfect time to start building that muscle. So it's easier to add a little bit of friction and uh, without kind of overdoing it, you know? Is there a cadence or schedule that you've found worked at a larger scale? I know every business is different. I've seen everything from 15 minute standups on a daily basis to bi-weekly meetings? Hmm. I think it depends on what you're driving. So, you know, two extremes I can think about, right? And for strategy and planning, that would be like at a quarterly level, probably in an annual level, mm -hmm. right? And those are things that aren't gonna change week to week as much. It's more so pulling up and thinking about how do we plan effectively together as an overall revenue organization? And what KPIs are we gonna define and track? How are we actually gonna track them? And like, what cadence are we gonna revisit them to see what's working, what's not working? If you're talking about like the tech stack, that might be a different cadence. Like I've seen a lot of things that are like two week sprints or one week sprints. I think one week's a little bit extreme, but two weeks generally makes sense. And figuring out the right cadence to revisit those. I don't think everybody needs to participate in a, a sprint to kind of understand what's in that sprint. But the best teams are the ones that report back out and say like, this is what we're gonna do in the next two weeks and gives everybody an opportunity not to like pull that information, but to get that information pushed them and just kind of quickly check through like, this sounds good, this sounds good. Oh wait, did you think about what's gonna happen for Marketo when you do this, you know? Yeah, yeah, t yeah. Technology is always connected in so many different ways. So those sprints, I really like that structure with occasional stand-ups. On the analytics side, it depends on if you're building out the organization or if things are pretty level. It, it always just depends. Um, but that's a great segue into planning. So thinking of this from a marketing standpoint, a lot of times I've been fortunate enough to be involved in the planning process and saying based on X parameters and this much growth, I think we can probably hit these targets and start there as like a revenue guideline. Generally, when you're planning for next year's targets, when should marketing ideally be involved in what should they contribute to the conversation a um, revenue goal perspective that's that's what i've struggled with i think there's a natural stage but you, it's not really clearly defined sometimes because it's almost like you don't want to like have marketing see your dirty laundry if as a sales org you're still trying to figure it out you need to like kind of get a really good first draft at least to be like this is what we're thinking about it like let's react to it let's iterate on it so i've always kind of pictured in my head and i don't know what the right cutoff is there's a phase one which is kind of like internally like it's the sales leader sales strategy and operations and maybe that their leaders directs thinking through okay what's the revenue target with finance and uh also how are we going to get there in terms of headcount in terms of office locations etc and plan and then once that's like has enough structure and scaffolding where like marketing can react without asking too many clarifying questions like that's the right time to bring them in and then there's a little bit of you know trading and discussion like 
if you really want to be effective in maybe a few international launches, you might need to kind of call back your headcount ask and give marketing some additional dollars to make sure that you can land and expand in those markets effectively. And I think, you know, I learned that earlier in my career where if you, you know, launch in France without marketing support, it's not going to go that well. And you're going to maybe consume the existing demand, but you're not going to actually create anything that new. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think I'm more thinking of it from the marketing standpoint because that's where I sit now. And earlier is better because like you said, a lot of times we have to negotiate for budget in order to help hit the numbers that they want and that reduces headcount. So the earlier I can start those conversations and the less solidified that that is in people's heads, the easier it is for me to make my argument. So yeah. <laughs> we already like having the natural conflict right here where I'm thinking yeah. like there's a there's a level of draft that I want to have for the plan before I share it with external parties because you want to have productive conversations. You don't want to have conversations where you you're, it's obviously like we haven't fleshed out our like most likely scenario yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, whereas I like to build the model from the ground up and, you know, like this is how many MQLs it takes to hit this number and this number and this number. So, yeah, yeah. I think one thing that's important is like a lot of companies as they kind of grow and mature, there's probably a stage where you need to like cut that up into a different level. Like if you're talking about revenue and leads, you might want to start thinking about that by segment to a certain degree in like yep. what you're actually targeting or by region. And it, mm -hmm. it depends on when you're actually going to do that, but starting to put that foundation earlier so you can do that with the light, right level of reporting and analytics and visibility is important because planning at that level of detail is going to like really, really benefit you in the long run. Yeah. And I'm always a stickler for that kind of thing because different channels work differently in different regions. Yeah. So I always want to get ahead of it as much as I can. Yeah. I don't know. Some conflict's good. It's, it's <laughs> There's good. always some natural con healthy conflict between these two orgs. It's like, how can this team of teams really reduce that as much as possible? Because you're on yeah. the same team. You have the same goal to get the company prepared for the overall goals and helping bridge the marketing and sales leader to make sure that both functions are, are working effectively towards that. Yeah, and it's always interesting because marketing is just naturally incentivized to think of things as a blanket whole or regional whole as opposed to each team member needs to hit their number. Like if somebody knocks it out of the park and someone's a little less, it doesn't impact us as directly. Yeah. So I see a lot of sales leaders being really good about going to bat for like in-person events and, and budget for those kinds of things so they know things are a little bit more evenly spread out. So I think that's also the benefit of some of like the smaller regional offices. Like if you're going to launch in an area, your local marketing person's probably just sitting with the sales team. You probably don't have a big team there and that's a really good opportunity for them to kind of build those relationships for when you're larger. and. The best sales orgs, I think, really celebrate their external partners that have been go above and beyond for them. Like when you're having that sales kickoff, like you should be inviting the champions of the last year from outside the sales org that really like delivered for the sales orgs in an outsized way. Like people that you really want to celebrate and, and welcome and kind of build relationships mm -hmm. with that you're going to partner with that aren't actually in the sales org. Like each of those kind of kickoffs doesn't need to be sales only. Yeah, and it shouldn't be because I mean, when we see organizations working well together, they're just knocking it out of the park. They're more productive, things work better. So any strides that can be made 
whether you're centralizing RevOps or including people in, in more cross-functional, uh, I don't know, morale raising, I think that's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to revenue operations and having a strong revenue operations leader, I think it's really great that you kind of already have that built-in system who can advocate for additional headcount and support. Let's talk about though, about a marketing organization with their own marketing ops team. What are some ways you've seen leaders effectively argue for more operational resources or headcount? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it depends. Each organization obviously reaches a certain scale in size where you're going to benefit from building out an ops team to give them leverage. And what yep. you kind of think about is like, do you want the actual doers like in sales, the sellers, then recruiting the recruiters to actually try to pull and do this project based work? Or do you want to hire people who are dedicated towards that? I think mm -hmm. what you can look at is maybe like, historical ratios people in sales ops talk about you know like a 10 to 15 to 1 ratio kind of look in marketing organizations see what else is there i think a lot of times it's like talking to your external peers and saying like these are some great organizations in the early innings that ratio might not make sense but it's good to start earlier on the ratio than later obviously when you're at scale you can kind of go 15 to 1 or something else like that but like mm -hmm. creating that type of like polling can be really beneficial as you kind of talk to your marketing leader and be like, these are some of the best practices we've seen. I think also just being flexible sometimes, like where maybe you're not looking for a dedicated marketing piece of headcount, but this is the type of discussion to be kind of putting on your RevHops hat on. Like, hey, we need a dedicated kind of revenue technology stack person to kind of own this. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it doesn't warrant one specific headcount for marketing, one specific headcount for sales would work and those organizations bridge together and say like, hey, we need somebody to own this for our actual functions. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of operations analysts, data people come out of the finance side and it started as supporting that organization and then turned into this whole career path they didn't expect but ultimately enjoyed yeah Just gonna plug that there aren't many but, like entry-level jobs within sales or marketing ops or rev ops you kind of just find yourself in that if you come from like a consulting background a finance background i think you raise a great point that's another flag to look for like if you need data and reporting whether that's the functional leader asking for it or the CEO asking for it for their board updates, that's usually a time where you need to hire for sales and marketing ops. Uh, that's a different skill set to kind of build that out than what you typically have in those organizations at that time. And that's the perfect time to start to make that investment because it's going to make that leader more aware of their business, what the levers are, how it's performing, and also benefit the higher altitude conversation between that leader and the CEO and the board. Yeah, and just one last plug for revenue operations is that you have, if you have a really strong leader, they know how to build a business case and speak to efficiency and opportunity gains that could be had with additional headcount. So it's like this little extra, I don't know, pizzazz <laughs> to your business case that's pretty compelling. I agree, I agree. Well, Justin, is there anything else you'd like to add before we have you share where people can find you to network? Uh, no, I just think it's it's an exciting time. I mean, we've seen this evolution of sales ops and marketing ops, you know, kind of the origins of them, the rise of kind of rev ops. And I'm excited to see hopefully more team of team structures. I think 
those are the areas that are super exciting for you as a career wise. Like you can kind of dabble a little bit in one area and pivot to the other. You kind of jump in and help different departments. And I think those are areas where people in this type of career can really learn a really a lot about a business, like a really broad and deep understanding. Because if you think about some of the most important functions, it's like your sales and your marketing and your product design and engineering works. Like that's what you know, B2B SaaS companies are built on these days. And if you're in that team and you're kind of going through planning together, you're gonna to learn a lot that's gonna benefit, you know, your job today and also your job tomorrow. Yeah, I see some founders coming out of the operations space because they see the whole breadth and then the details underneath it. And that's just such a valuable list to have if you wanna start your own business. Justin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you online to network? I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, after making the jump over to venture, I sign up for Twitter, so I'm on Twitter as well, at, at Justin O. Young. But uh, trying to get a little bit more active there, I need to be a little bit braver. Great, sounds good, and thank you again. And for those of you listening who enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and for more of you looking for great content like this, check out calvermind.com.